Welcome to another inspirational teaching by Pastor Mike Foreman, Senior Pastor of the First Baptist Church of Level Plains. For more information about Pastor Mike and the church, please visit our website at www.fbclp.life. Let's join Pastor Mike now as he shares from God's Word. Back in uh, Level Plains, and I want you to take your copy of God's Word and begin to find Matthew's Gospel chapter 24. And as you're looking for that, let me just remind you a few weeks back before I left on vacation, we were still looking at some parables of the Lord Jesus. And I want to do that again this morning. I had really an intention the last time I preached to finish the series, but in all my preparation and study realized that it would be wrong of me to finish on the parable that I was going to preach the last time. So I decided to back up I preached a different parable last time, and I want to finish this series on parables with three parables of the Lord Jesus that stem out of his his prophetic teaching out of Matthew's gospel, chapter 24 and 25. Most of the time when we think about Jesus, we don't think about him doing any prophetic teaching, but exactly in chapter 24 and 25, Jesus gives us an end time schematic. He sort of helps us to understand what the end times are going to look like up to his coming. And so if you were to look, for example, and examine beginning in chapter 24, beginning in verse 1, what you'll find is that the disciples in Jesus were in church. They left church, well, they left the temple. And on their way out of the temple, we're told in Luke's gospel that as they went out the temple, the disciples looked at the temple and they were just enamored. It's just a beautiful building. I mean, it's just an incredible sight. And so they looked at Jesus and said, hey, Lord, look, check out this temple. You know, it'd be like going and looking at, you know, the new Family Life Center and go, man, this is so nice and pretty. And, or you go to a, a, somebody's church and you visit and you come back home, by the way. You go and you visit somebody else's church. They got a brand new building and, you know, it's got stained glass windows and it's beautiful on the inside. And you go, man, this is incredible. Look, look, look. And you, you're sort of enamored by it. The disciples were enamored by the building and Jesus just sort of bursts their bubble. And he says to them, hey, not one stone's going to be left unturned. And uh, he's speaking prophetically about the destruction of the temple in A.D. 70 when the Romans went in and laid waste to Jerusalem. And that really begins his prophetic teaching in chapter 24 and 25 to help us to begin to understand a little bit about what's coming down the road. By the way, everything that Jesus teaches there has not been fulfilled yet. It's coming, except for the A.D. 70. Everything else is coming. Everything else is down the road to come. And uh, we can spend and, uh, all of our time this morning trying to decipher all the ins and outs of these chapters. But my goal this morning is not to be prophetic. My goal this morning is not to teach, you know, step by step what's coming down the road. In essence, my goal today is really to unpack the ending of chapter 24 and the beginning of chapter 25. Now, we're going to do that this morning. We're going to do that in the next couple of weeks together. Thank the Lord. Amen. We won't be here till 2 o'clock. But I want you to think about today's parable, and that is the faithful servant and the evil servant found in Matthew's gospel, chapter 24, beginning down in verse 45. Now, we're going to need to look at some things as we begin, but as we start this morning. Let me remind you, since it's been a few weeks, I've been gone. Let me remind you that as we think about the series on parables, kingdom 
secrets, we're calling it. It's seeing, hearing, and understanding the words of Jesus. As we think about that this morning, let me remind you that the parable, that as we look at them, they all have one theme that runs through. In other words, as you look at it, let me just read what I wrote here. A parable always has a specific spiritual truth being taught And that truth is always central to the point of the parable. That is, when Jesus gives us a parable, there may be many applications that I pull from a parable, but there's only one truth. All right? So as Jesus is teaching this parable even today, we're going to decipher it down and boil it down to one specific truth, but we'll have some multiple application. All right? It's important to understand that because so many times people have looked at the parables and they have misinterpreted them or they've missed the central truth in which Jesus is trying to get across. And we want to make sure that we walk away with that truth. We want to make sure that we understand what's on the heart of the Messiah, what's on the heart of our Savior, so that what's on his heart can be on our hearts. Amen? So that what he wants for us, we don't miss it. We want to certainly make sure we get it. So this morning as we dive in, We're going to dive into this parable. We want you to understand that Jesus is answering a question by the disciples in verse 43. We're going to come back to that in just a second, so just hang on there. But as we we dive in this morning, here's the thrust. Here's the main idea of the parable that we're going to teach today. I want you to write it down early because I want this to keep, you know, I want this to be the driving force. Here's the driving force of the parable. Jesus, listen, Jesus is coming back. Amen? No matter how you decipher chapter 24 and all the verses that are there, no matter how you decipher it, you cannot help but walk away from this one central truth. He is coming back. Amen? I'm looking forward to that day. That's going to be an awesome day when Jesus comes back. Now, everything talking about Jesus came back is centered in what we would call his second coming. That is when Jesus is going to come from the clouds to the earth. That is, he's going to ride on that white horse that we see him in Revelation riding. And he's going to come with ten thousands of his saints. And he's going to come back to the earth and he's going to put his foot on the earth again. Like he did at his first coming. Except, the first coming was the coming to die for the sin of mankind. Amen? The second coming is to judge. The second coming is to set up a, a kingdom physically upon the earth. Now, you and I are excited about that second coming because we get to rule and reign with Christ. That's going to be incredible. But I'm going to tell you, in between that, in between that time frame is what I believe in, and that is called the rapture. If you don't believe in a rapture, all you're going to do is begin to read 1 Corinthians chapter, or first, excuse me, 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 16 and following, and you'll begin to understand that there is a time period, Steve, when Jesus is going to stay in the clouds. He's going to be up there, and he's going to call you and I, who are believers in Jesus Christ, he's going to call us up, amen? And we're going to be... With him, the Bible says, in the clouds. And thus we shall always be with the Lord. Hallelujah. Amen. That's going to be a great time. If you don't believe in that, I'm sorry. (laughs) But Jesus is going to rapture us out of this place. Now listen, whether we're expecting Jesus to come at the second coming to physically walk on the earth, or whether we are as believers looking for that parousia, that is that calling away, that snatching up into the air to be with Jesus, here is the central truth of the parable. Be faithful as you wait. Be faithful as you wait. See, the problem is, like Peter had to write. Peter had to write to this crowd, this church, and remind them. Because they said, hey, where is the appearing? 
Where, where is this God who's coming back? It seems like things are slack. It's like life just keeps going on and on and on and on. Where is this appearing? And Peter says, listen, God's not slack. It's not, it's not what you think it is. And he gives us that classic example. He says, you know, as, as the, for, for the Lord, a day is a thousand years and a thousand years of the day. Now he's using hyperbole. He's not saying literally that creation days are thousands of years. It's not what he's saying there. People misinterpret what Peter's saying. What Peter's saying is God's not on a timetable. God doesn't wear an eye watch. Amen? He doesn't have an iPhone that tells him what time it is. He could care less. He's not bound to time. Amen? And so Jesus gives us the central truth. Be faithful while you watch. Now, how does that play out? Well, let's Look at the purpose of the parable first. And I want you to slip back, as I already said, slip back to verse 3. For just a minute, we're going to set some groundwork, and then we're going to look at the parable itself. But notice what the the, the disciples do in response to Jesus in verse 2. It says, Now as he sat on the Mount of Olives, the disciples came to him privately, saying, Tell us, when will these things be? What will be the sign of your coming And of the end of the age. They ask a question. Okay, Jesus, if this temple is going to be destroyed, then tell us, tell us, Jesus, when? When is all this going to happen? Now, Jesus could have said, well, let me just sit down and give you a timetable. Let me draw out the chart. In AD 70, Rome's going to come and desolate Jerusalem and destroy the temple. He could have done that, but he doesn't do that. Because here's here's the problem with us. The problem is we want to know when. We don't want to be faithful. Did you hear what I said? We want to know when. We just don't want to be faithful. In other words, what we want is Jesus to come right now so I don't have to live out this life. Amen? You ever think that? How many of y'all ever said to yourself in your own heart, Jesus, just come on. This is tough some days. Amen? There's some days you go through some things in life that are very difficult, demanding, and you just say, Jesus, if you just come, it'd be over. Hallelujah. You know, because I know what's coming. I know when he comes, what's coming. Amen. And I want that. And so some days we're like that. Some days, David, we want to just come on, Jesus. Come on, come on, come on. And so what Jesus has to do is he responds to the question. Jesus begins his prophetic discourse and he begins to lay out the plans. And let me just quickly give them to you because here's what Jesus teaches on. First of all, he begins in verse two and he talks about... the destruction of Jerusalem and the temple. And then he moves in to say, hey guys, as you're waiting, as you're thinking about when this is coming down the road, be careful, be cautious, because there are going to be many false Christs. There are going to be people that are going to come along and they're going to say, I'm the Messiah. I'm Jesus. I've returned. And he's going to try to deceive many, even the elect, if it was possible. And so he says, hey, there's some warning there. And that's in those verses following in verse 3 and following down through there. And then then he does this. He gives us a description of what the Antichrist is going to do. And he talks about the abomination of desolation. He begins to talk about the Antichrist. Then he begins from there to move into what we would call the tribulation. That is, when all the chaos is going to break out. That is, when the sinfulness of man is being judged and God is beginning to pour out upon that, that world his judgment. And he's going, the, the, the sun's going to, you know, turn black. The moon's going to turn black. The stars are going to fall. The rivers are going to be polluted. I mean, all this chaos happens. You read through Revelation, you find out what's taking place in the tribulation time frame. And then 
Then Jesus says, and you slip down in verse 32 and following down through verse 44, here's what Jesus says. He says, my return is very definite. As a matter of fact, it's very noticeable if you'll pay attention to what's happening. If you pay attention to the signs of the times. And he says that to us, and I want you to just slip down because we don't have time to teach all these verses today. But I want you to slip down in verse 43 and 44, and I'm going to launch into verses 45 and following. We're going to exegete those for us this morning as we go. But listen to what Jesus begins to say. Well, slip back in verse 42. He said, watch therefore. So Jesus has just talked about the fact that there is this definite return. He is definitely coming again, whether by rapture or whether by second coming, he is coming to get us. And so Jesus says, watch therefore, for you do not know what hour your Lord is coming. Jesus settled it. Listen, folks, don't ever listen to anybody who says Jesus is coming in 2020, September 1st or whatever. Don't ever listen to that nonsense, all right? Because Jesus said that's reserved. That's the Father's decision. That's not his decision. That's not the angel's decision. It's not my decision. Listen, we don't know when it's going to happen. Can I tell you one thing we do know? It's certain. The other thing we do know is going to catch you by surprise, Amen. You think you're going to be ready? Hey, man, let me tell you, he's going to show when we least expect it. And so he says to us, therefore, watch. You do not know what hour your Lord is coming, but know this, that if the master of the house had known what hour the thief would come, he would have watched and not allowed his house to be broken into. Isn't that so true? You ever have your house broken into? I was sitting across, and my, when I was in Munford Baptist, my office was facing my house. And while I was sitting in my office, somebody drove around the back of my house and stole everything we owned as far as electronics in my house. All while I was sitting nicely across the street studying in my office. Let me tell you, if I'd have known they were going to show up, I'd have never went to the office. Amen? I'd have stayed at the house with my, piss, I mean, with, uh, you know, watch flies. <laughs> Therefore, Jesus says in verse 44, notice how he caps it off. It's definite that he's coming. Definite that we ought to be watching because we don't know when it's going to happen. Therefore, verse 44, therefore you also be ready. There it is. Be ready. For the Son of Man is coming in an hour you do not expect. That's talking to the disciples. How do we think we're smarter than them? How do we think that we're going to be caught not off guard? Let me tell you something. We don't know when he's going to come. We ought to be ready. So how then are you ready? How is it that you and I as believers in Jesus Christ, if we know that he's coming back and it's definite, how are we to stand ready? Well, Jesus answers that question in verse 45 to 51 in a parable. And then in chapter 25, he gives us another parable. And then he gives us right behind that one, another parable. So there's three parables on what you and I ought to be doing to be ready. So how are we to be ready? Well, the first parable I've already told you. Watch by being faithful. Now notice the parable. Notice the parable. I must press on. I'll get long-winded. I know. I haven't preached in a while. <clears throat> listen to the parable. Just listen to it, and then I'll explain it. Who then? Jesus said, who then? He just follows it right up, right? He says, you don't know what hour? You're not expecting Be ready. Who then is a faithful and wise servant? In other words, who is ready? Who is ready? Whom his master made ruler over his household to give them food in due season. Blessed is that servant whom his master, when he comes, here it is, will find him so doing. 
Uh, Surely I say to you that he will make him ruler over all his goods. But if that evil servant says in his heart, my master is delaying his coming and begins to beat his fellow servants and to eat and to drink with the drunkards, the master of that servant will come on the day when he is not looking for him and at an hour that he is not aware of. And listen, and will cut him in two and appoint him his portion with the hypocrites. There shall be weeping and gnashing of teeth. That's the parable. So let's talk for just a moment about what is Jesus saying? Certainly Jesus is giving us an illustration of two servants. By the way, you and I are all servants. If we belong to the Lord Jesus Christ, he's put us into service. Amen? You and I have been called by Christ unto salvation. He's redeemed us. But remember that as much as we love to quote Ephesians 2, 8, and 9, we've got to go down to verse 10. That he saved us to do what? To walk in the good works that he is what? Prepared beforehand. That is that he has saved us to serve. He did not save us to sit on a pew and do nothing. He did not save us to just say, well, it's nice to know I'm going to heaven. I got fire insurance. Praise God. One day when I die, I'm going to be there. No, that's not why Jesus saved you. Jesus saved you to redeem you, to make him his own in order that you'd be a servant. That you'd serve in the kingdom. That, that is that great word that we talk about. The word evangelism. The words discipleship. <laughs> That's the business, the the work of the servant of Christ is to be about making disciples. And so notice that Jesus talks about the faithful servant. Now don't get bent. See, here's the problem. Some read the parable and they get bent on what the guy's doing. They get bent on the fact that he's a servant in a household and he's supposed to feed the other servants. Listen, Jesus is trying to help us to understand that it doesn't matter what the role is that you have been given by God. Doesn't matter what that role is. The, the reality is, are we like this guy? When Jesus shows up, are we doing what he's called us to do? That's the point of the parable. And so Jesus said, this master's going on, and, and he trusts the servant to run the household while he's gone. Specifically, not just run the household, but even to take care of the rest of the servants in the house. And so some will take this parable and say, well, see, that's within the church. So the responsibility inside the church is the leadership should be taking care of the people. Well, that's true. The leadership should be preaching and teaching and feeding the word of God. That is what I've been called to do. But if we just get hung up and say, well, that's just for the preacher, then we might as well throw the parable aside. But the parable has its broad application to all of us who are servants of Christ, who have been called into ministry some way, in some fashion, in some form. And you're saying, well, preacher, I don't know what that is for me. Then here's what you need to do. Number one, you need to pray and say, God, what is it you'd have me to do? Number two, can I just be honest and blunt and just straight down the line with you? Get off the pew and serve. You're saying, where? I don't know. That's the whole point. Find something and do it. Start serving. Jump in the children's ministry. Help ask with the student ministry. If you're a lady, go see one of the ladies and get involved in the ladies' ministry. If you're one of the guys, get involved in men's ministry. You know, get involved in the church and and greeting people. Get engaged. Ask somebody. Say, hey, I want to get engaged. Listen, because here's what's going to happen. It's going to be like my life. I can remember in my life, you know, and I'm a good example. When When I began to serve God, God began to open doors for me as I began to serve. I served in little, I just helped with people. You know, I helped 
with Sunday school classes. I helped with student ministry, children's ministry. And then it was from there that God began to open doors for me to begin to teach Sunday school. And then from there I began to teach discipleship training, which used to be on Sunday nights. We called it training and union. And I began to do that. And then from there, God began to open the door for opportunities to preach. So see what I'm saying is if you'll get engaged in serving somewhere, God will make it clear where he wants you to be. But it's clear that he does want you serving. And if you're not serving, then listen, you're not being faithful. And so he says to us, this faithful servant is one who is engaged in doing what the master left him to do. So find it, find, pray and find and discover and get engaged in what God wants you to do. Begin to serve. And as, as you begin to serve and you begin to pray, God will make that a definite, clear, uh, clear direction for you. But here's one thing I do know. You are to serve if you're a believer. Here's the other thing I know, that your service is service towards others. Amen? Because, listen, love God, love people. Right? When I serve God, it ultimately looks like me serving people. Amen? And so you ought to be serving people. So get engaged, get involved. Now notice what happens. Notice the text. It says, who's the faithful and wise servant who is master made ruler of his household to give him food in due season? Blessed is that servant who is master when he comes will find so doing. Underline that verse. That's the key. That's the crux of the matter. That's the point of the parable. When Jesus comes back, will he find you serving him? By serving others, or will he find you not? And so he says, the man comes back, the master will come back, and he finds his faithful and wise servant doing what he's left him to do. And notice as a result of that, there is a blessedness. Wouldn't it be awesome when Jesus shows up, you're doing what he called you to do? I always said, Jesus, show up while I'm preaching. That'd be awesome. Amen? Interrupt the sermon. I'm okay with that. But the reality is, my servitude is not all about standing in a pulpit and preaching. But will Christ, when he comes, will he find Mike Foreman serving faithfully? That may not necessarily mean being in the pulpit, but am I serving him faithfully? Is is my heart his? Is he indeed living in me and through me as he desires to do? Because that is the only way I will be serving him. And so... Will I be serving him? And if there is, he said, verse 47, and surely I say to you, he will make him ruler over his good. Listen, there is not going to be more responsibility until you tend to what he's already called you to do now. But the servant of the house, listen, because he served faithfully, because he did what he was called to do and the master found him, there'll be even greater responsibility. You're saying, well, Jesus come back. I mean, what am I gonna be doing? Well, just read the Bible. You're gonna be serving with Christ. You're gonna be ruling and reigning with him. At one point, Jesus even said in Revelation chapter 3 that those of us who are followers of Jesus Christ will sit on the throne with him. How awesome is that? And that leads into the next verse because notice the next verse he says. But if the evil servant says in his heart. See, here's the problem. The problem is some say, well, this is an inner church. This is the church. This is a saved man. But if this is a saved guy, listen, let me tell you. If this servant is saved, if he knows Jesus Christ, then listen. He somehow lost his salvation. I don't think he can do that. You can't do that. Because notice what's going to happen. At the end of this parable, we're going to get down to weeping and gnashing of teeth. Jesus always linked that up with hell. Every other time Jesus used it, it was linked up to people going to hell, being separated from God for all of eternity. So listen to what Jesus is saying. Jesus said the evil servant is evil. Why? Because his heart is not 
converted. His heart is not changed. His heart is not full of the Spirit of God. You're saying, how do you know that, preacher? Well, listen to what he says. He says, this guy says in his heart, my master's delaying in his coming. The word delay means to intentionally wait. Is Jesus intentionally waiting to come? Yeah, he is intentionally waiting to come. We have some reasons in the Bible that he's intentionally waiting. And one of them Peter gives is that God is not slacking his promise, but he's willing at all. Listen, he's waiting for people to repent. He's waiting for people to get saved before he comes back. But he's also, listen, he's also waiting for the course of evil to run its course before he comes back. We don't like that verse too much, but that's the truth of the matter. But Jesus is coming back, and what he wants to know is, are we going to be faithful, or are we going to be like this evil guy? And here's the problem with the evil guy. In his heart, he's not right. Jesus is not there, amen? He's not been changed. You're saying, wait a minute, he called him a servant. Yep, he called him a servant. You know what this is? Notice what Jesus goes on to say. He, he says to us, listen, listen what he says. My master's delaying in his coming. So he thinks no, he's no longer accountable. He's no longer responsible to do what he's been told to do because the master's not coming. He's not expecting him to show up. I mean, he's just going to run his course. And so he begins to beat his fellow servants. He eats and he drinks with the drunkard. In other words, it's not just that he's having a beer. Listen, he's now a drunkard. He's running. He's carousing. He's doing all the things that a believer shouldn't be doing. He's living his life. Why is he living so loosely? Because he doesn't think Jesus is coming back. Hmm. I wonder how many people in the church that sit on pews week in and week out just live their life any way they want to live because they're thinking, well, Jesus is not going to catch me. Jesus is delaying in his coming. I got time to make it right before he gets here. Let me tell you, friend, that's foolish thinking. You don't know when he's coming. But notice what he says. Here's the key, verse 50. The master of that servant will come on the day when he is not looking for him. And at that hour, he is not aware of. So he's going to show up suddenly. And then notice what he says. And will cut him in two and appoint him. Here it is. His portion with the hypocrite. Who is Jesus talking about? Jesus is talking about people who are evil because, listen, they're hypocrites. He's saying, oh, everybody's a hypocrite. Well, I agree. I've heard people say all the time, well, I'm not going to go to church. There's hypocrites over there. Well, pray, bless God. Come join us. Amen. Because there's, there's times where we're all a little inconsistent. Amen? I, I admit that. You admit that. I hope we're all a little inconsistent. But here is a guy who is pretending, though, to be a Christian. He's, he's pretending. He's in the church. We would not know him any different from anybody else in the church. We would even think probably this person's a spiritual person. But all along in his heart, he's very nominal. In his heart, he's not changed. And as a result, over time, as we wait for the coming of Jesus, we don't find a faithful servant. What we find is a guy who finally cannot keep the secret that he's not converted and begins to live what he really is. You see it? And so he begins to live who he really is. And as a result of that, the Bible says that he's not paying attention to the coming of Jesus. He thinks he has time to change. He thinks he has time to be converted. But then Jesus shows up and then it's too late. And Jesus appoints him his portion with the hypocrites. That is, the hypocrite is the unsaved. And the unsaved are those persons who are punished for eternity. Separated from God. Now before you say, oh preacher, you're preaching fear. I'm not preaching fear. What I'm trying to tell you is that when Jesus is talking here, Jesus is saying, it's time to wake up. It's time to quit playing games. It's time that if you call yourself a follower of Jesus, it's time for you to wake up and look at your life and go, am I the hypocrite? 
What am I basing my Christianity upon? Is it the fact that I go to a Baptist church? Is it the fact that I give money to the church? Is it the fact that I'm a good person and I do good things? Or is it the truth that I am going to heaven and I'm a follower of Jesus Christ because Jesus found me when I was lost in sin? That Jesus found me when I was outside the covenant? That when I was not a person of God, Jesus found me. And what he did is he converted me. That is, he pointed me to my sin, showed me for what it was, separation from God, evil to God. And because of that, I repented of my sin and put my faith in Christ and his work on Calvary. The fact that he died in my place, that he bore my sin on the cross, that his blood, his blood was shed and washes away my sin. The fact that he rose again on the third day in bodily form. Amen? And that that's why I'm a Christian. That's why I'm a follower of Christ. It's not because I'm good, because I'm not. It's not because I'm a Baptist, even though I am. Amen? Amen. Quit playing games. And Jesus says, will I be faithful when Jesus comes? Well, that determines who I'm living for. That determines whether I'm a hypocrite or not. So the principle of the parable, let me give it to you one more time. You and I as followers of Christ, we have the responsibility to serve the Lord until he comes. When the master comes, will he find me the servant serving? Leon Morris says this, all those who profess to serve God must accept the truth that service must be wholehearted and that in due course, they will have to give an account of themselves to the one for whom nothing is hidden. Paul says it this way, Romans 13, and do this, knowing the time that now it is high time to awake out of sleep. For now our salvation is nearer than when we first believed. The night is far spent, the day is at hand. Therefore, let us cast off the works of darkness and let us put on the armor of light and let us walk properly as in the day. Not in rivalry or in drunkenness, not in lewdness or lust, not in strife and in envy. But let us put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh to fulfill its lust. Are you watching? Do you believe Jesus is coming again? And are you watching? The better question is, while you're watching, are you serving? Are you being faithful? If you're here this morning, can I just ask you a question? Are you one of those people who say, well, you know, I hear all this Jesus talk and maybe down the road, maybe sometime in the future, I'll, I'll go ahead and be saved. I'll, I'll just be saved. Listen, first of all, that's not in your hands to decide. But, but second of all, can I just tell you, the Bible says, behold, today is the day of salvation. It's not tomorrow. It's not next week. It's today. Why? Because here's the reality of it is, Jesus is going to come back at any second. I don't know when that is. Will he find me in him or will he find me lost without him? Let's pray together. So Father, as we wrap up this morning, I pray during this time. 
Thank you for listening today. And remember, you can find more information about Pastor Mike and the church at our website, www.fbclp.life.